but I think this is a danger. And I will say there's dangers on all sides. Of every denomination, there's a danger. Hey, this is Unrefined Podcast. I'm Brandon Spain, your host, with co-host Lindsay Waters. Welcome to another episode. Hey, 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 you guys. Lindsay's here. Yep, I'm here. Yep, he's here. And then we have a uh, really cool and special guest. We have a, a really great guy that, that is a recently met friend, but I feel like he's like a little brother or a close close friend already. His name is Nick Dodson, and uh, we're gonna just have a conversation today about some about some things that, uh, that that are near and dear to the Lord's heart. And so we just want to dive right in. So Nick, give us a little story, a background, like your testimony of how you were saved and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So real quick, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, Um, originally where LeBron James is from, Akron, Ohio. I was born and raised Catholic, but I was more nominal, you know, lukewarm. Jordan's the goat, by the way. (laughs) I don't know. I'm a a, a millennial, so. I know, I know. But, you know, recent bias or whatever they call it. But so anyways, so I went to the University of Akron. Uh, go zips and that's where I got saved so I was living pretty bad for the world I was living like a heathen so to speak I was addicted addicted to drugs alcohol you know cocaine like other than weed and just you know I I didn't I didn't know at the time but when I look back I was doing like new age stuff and just you know soaking in everything that the world had to offer and I felt empty and I almost killed myself that's how Christ came to me that's how like God met me uh, at the end of a, a noose, so to speak. Uh, I I almost hung myself in my closet. I prayed the desperate, but you know, kind of real prayer of God. If you're real, show yourself to me, reveal yourself to me. And He did. He told me to read the Gospel of John. My buddy, I was going to Bible studies before, and I didn't understand anything. And my buddy gave me a Bible, and then literally, he had a conversation three months before. It's like Nick, you say you believe this. But the Bible says this, and this is how you act, and they don't really line up. So he had a really hard to heart to heart, really bad conversation, in my opinion. But it was amazing after everything happened. But I, I thought he was holier than thou. I thought he was an idiot, <laughs> and uh, I actually went like super hard. Like I, I blocked him. Then I went like partied. I did the most drugs I ever. It's like I'll show you. You know, I can still get to heaven and keep doing what I'm doing. So he gave me a Bible that day. I, you know, that night when he had that conversation, I threw it across the room, put, uh, you know, clothes over it. And and I pretty much literally screamed F God, I hate him and, um, whatever. And, you know, that three months later, the booze and then the, the, the girls and the, you know, living for the world. Um, I literally, um, hit rock bottom. I've looked in the mirror and I wanted to kill myself because I felt spiritually dead. I didn't. I never read Ephesians. I never understood that we were dead in our sins. I didn't understand anything. All I knew is I was spiritually dead, and I treated people like crap, and people treated me like crap, and I just wanted to end it all. Mm. And then 
and in in a moment of mercy and grace and kindness, the Lord met me and changed my life. It's really interesting. I've talked to people who have experienced tons of supernatural stuff that before they were saved. I mean, you know, spiritual new age, all kinds of occult stuff, but they still felt spiritually dead. There's a difference in connecting to the spirit realm and connecting to the spirit, the Holy Spirit. So, Why do you think the Lord sent you to John, the gospel of John first? (laughs) <laughs> when, I, when i'm that's a i never had okay uh when when i meet him i'll ask him but mm-hmm. to me to be honest with you john chapter 11 changed my life and i didn't understand anything till i just kept reading i'm like john three sixteen. god so i'm like does he love the world because i'm miserable so, so you know so then i get to john 11 and then i see that jesus is like i'm the resurrection i'm the life you know that beautiful passage raising up lazarus I'm like, you know what? I, I felt literally dead, and here's Jesus resurrecting people. And with the Catholic background I had, I know he died and resurrected. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? He can resurrect me. And I feel like I didn't know any scriptures. I didn't know Galatians 2.20. I didn't know 2 Corinthians 5.17. I didn't know anything. But I constantly kind of knew that like I'm actually dead. I need a resurrection. I literally was going to kill myself like literally less than 20 minutes ago. So I said, if I don't, I, I almost said internally, but I didn't like say it. Like if, if I didn't want my life, I better give it to God because he seems to want it and he can change it. Yeah. Yeah. So continue on. So you, you get saved and, and you get drawn into this, uh, I guess, is there anything between you getting drawn into the deliverance world that you want to talk about or? Oh, that that happens later. I've been a Christian for eight years, and I went to non-denominational church. It's called the Chapel. It's a big church in Akron, and then there's different spinoffs. It's just kind of like similar to Calvary Chapel or Cornerstone. Or uh, now I'm a part of a Grace Church, which is part of the the Alliance, the Missionary Alliance, which is a big denomination. So you know, CMA. yeah, yeah, love 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 all the different denominations that I was a part of, and I I you know. Early in my faith, I would actually go to church two to three times a day, multiple different groups, multiple different churches, driving 30 minutes around, just going with buddies and just studying the Bible like a fiend. So I, I, I was a part of even the Grace Brethren where it's like Whoa. I got baptized at the chapel, but I was part of Grace Brethren where the Brethren Church where they in the name of the Father Dunk and the name of the Holy Spirit, you know, Dunk, yeah. Dunk, Dunk. Yep. So, yep. yeah, true. I guess like Dunkin' Donuts or something, triple, triple. <laughs> yeah, just in just in case if one wasn't enough, you know, hey, we got gotcha. you. Triple the triple the insurance, the insurance and insurance. But um, met some good folks. I'm. I, it's like weird when I would go to different churches. I would learn different things and learn different perspectives. But I still talk to air quote the remnant of each church i probably, I probably talked to two to five uh people from each church and it's really cool to see the universal body is not limited to obviously the four walls but to go all the way back so i started non-dom i didn't really know anything to be honest with you i got my theology off words off the screen you know from hillsong bethel like i didn't know anything and i was trying to st- but I, I mentor a lot of people now. I just talked to this one guy. He's like, I just went to church. It made it worse. I'm overwhelmed. I don't understand anything. All I know is I, I, I prayed the prayer, you know, you know, Romans 10, 9. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. 
And then like he just feels like any incrementation that is not milk, like he doesn't know what milk is. He doesn't know what meat is. But like anything like after like basic, basic like ABCs, one, two, three, kindergarten stuff, he it's like so I felt that too. So like it's really weird. After eight years, and it's a lot, it's like a like every year was almost like ten years. In my in my eight years, it was just so much info, so much experiences. So it's been a whirlwind. But I'm when I'm mentoring people and discipling people, it gets me back to do you remember who you used to be? And that helps me like have more mercy on people and more grace. Cause it's like, come on, you know, like this stuff is, you don't get it. Like, you know, but it's like, wait a minute. I didn't get it either. And I still don't know that much, honestly, compared to God, I'm an idiot. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's the whole point. I have to humble myself and not rely on my own strength and my own wisdom. I've been a Christian 25 years. And I mean, you know, a little bit of my testimony and experience I've just been through for the past. And I know Lindsay knows it definitely. And the longer I've been a Christian, the less I realize I actually know. Um, yeah. And if you, and that's if you, kind of scary. Well, and if you're, and if you're sitting under somebody that doesn't believe that, you don't need to sit under somebody. I mean, that's just the reality. Because the closer mm. you get to God, the less you just see more of Him. He, He just becomes more expansive, you know, in His in, in everything about Him. So it's beautiful. Hopefully yeah. that answers your question. Because, like, to be like to wrap it all up. To answer the question completely, I had thousands of different theologies, like you were saying. Like, like I don't know what else to say. I would go to one church. They teach outside of core doctrine, like the Trinity, Jesus is God, we're saved by grace through faith, heaven and hell. Like outside of core doctrine, secondary doctrine, I'm all over the map. You know, um, no shade on him. He might hear this. I love him to death. Um, um he, the guy that had that conversation with me, it, it seemed like he discipled me and then whatever he was, I was. So like he moved away from where, cause he was close and then he moved away, um, to where I was at and he moved down to Cincinnati. So then like, for example, I was non I was non-dom. I didn't, I just, I just followed Jesus. And then he became a Baptist, came back home. He's like, yeah, let me tell you what a Baptist is. I'm a Baptist. I'm like, what's the difference? And then he told me, and then I was like, okay, I'm a Baptist. Then he was like, reformed theology, Calvinism. And then he, again, situation, boom. And then, you know, oh, I'm a Presbyterian. I sprinkle instead of baptize, you know, and then the, you know, the whole different, you know, Lord's Supper, this covenantal theology, all that. So I'm like, okay, now it makes all the sense in the world. I trust you. And then you know, <laughs> so I've, I've been everything from, you know, in, in my early years, I was praying, I was going around with a charismatic Pentecostal person and I was going around praying for people, seeing the supernatural, seeing people healed, seeing demons come out of people. And I don't even know what that is. So I feel like the deliverance ministry was a part of my ministry. Yeah. I just didn't know what to call it. And I wasn't a part of it. But like when you're a Christian, you're, you're part of the supernatural. I think it's it's important to define terms. I think sometimes some camps will split hairs with ABC wording. Semantics, but to be honest with you, yeah. Semant- yeah, that's right. And to be honest with you, I think I was doing the Lord's work. And it was really weird when I became a cessationist and literally said, well, you know, everything that I just experienced is just crap. And it was my imagination. And I've been through everything, man. Like I was a Calvinist. I was this. I was that, I was a cessationist. And now literally I know both arguments for and against. And, and like, I'm now 
I'm a, you know, full-blown continuationist. Um, I'm not really Pentecostal. I don't believe that you have to speak in tongues to be saved uh, for, you know, the evidence. I think, you know, that's, I don't agree with that. I also don't believe that you have to be baptized in Jesus name. I, I, I'm a Trinitarian, but I, I will say I'll be lenient with oneness because I, as long as somebody doesn't like attack the Trinity, but like Marcus Rodgers, everybody hates him, but like, like literally he was on this and I don't know his, I don't know people's hearts, but what I can tell you is he was literally on an interview and he literally described the Trinity without like saying, well, the Trinity is not in the Bible. As long as you describe it and believe there's one God and like the father is God. The Son is God, the Holy Spirit's God, yeah. and like they're actually one, mm-hmm. but they're three distinct persons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can call it, you can call it chicken, man. I mean, that's I don't know what else to say. No, that's that's how Lindsay and I feel. Sandy and I was my wife and I went through an experience where we had a oneness lady in our life and we couldn't ignore the obvious fruit that this then this woman is not only saved, she's she's spirit filled, she's awesome, she's doing good stuff, she can preach. I mean, it's just incredible, you know, and, but I'm going to condemn her to hell because she doesn't believe the, the Trinity the way I do, or, you know, it's, and and I put it like this, and this has come to me from my dark night of the soul that I went through is there's black and white in the world. I mean, God has made black and white, but from our limited marred or you know i don't do moral depravity anymore i say our image is marred i do believe in inherited sin but i don't do moral depravity you know i don't take it that far and and so uh there's there's gray in our marred image that that we now there's with god everything's black and white he sees black and white but with there's gray you know with him and we have to have him to discern the gray to, to discern we have to have that relationship to be able to to do it. And I think this is one of those areas, what you're just talking about. I have an, an experience, a priest friend of mine had a woman in his church who was saved as a Mormon. She was saved and the Lord gradually led her out of the Mormon church, uh, you know, and there you go. But she was saved at this particular point in time because she went to Jesus as God, you know, not as... Yeah just a, a, an Elohim or whatever, but she went to Jesus as the Elohim of Elohims, you know, almighty God. And, yeah. and several years later, she, you know, the Lord directed her and she, she, uh, left the Mormon church. So you're right. We don't Praise know, God. we don't know people's hearts. Uh, people can be saved. And I have another testimony that I'm not going to share right now of a friend who was guided and led by God before he was even saved and didn't even have a Bible. And uh, God basically told him the stories of the Bible just with his relationship with him. He got a Bible later and realized, hey, all this is already in this book. So, I mean, mm. we, we can't limit or bo- box God, you know, mm. we, yeah. we can't we can't box him in. We can't. And I I witnessed over 200 Mormon missionaries and I worked with the Mormon um, about six years ago. And that changed my life. But I'll tell you. I agree that like I think it's going to be really hard unless if it's a deathbed confession for like people that are in like super false religions. Like yeah. I come from a Catholic background. My grandparents are Catholic, so my family are Catholic. But I think that like when I actually talk about doctrine, they don't believe in transubstantiation or whatever. Like they literally believe in the Protestant views. They believe in Ephesians two, you know, eight through ten. They believe they believe in like what Protestants believe, but they're they're labeled you know Catholic. 
and they go to the Catholic church. They don't pray to Mary. Um, so I think they're going to be going to heaven. Like I'm like to my grandpa, I'm like, okay, grandpa, are you trusting your own works? Or are you trusting Jesus Christ? Do you know the gospel? I, I went through it for like three years with them. And like, he, like it's either I believe them at their word or they're, or they're lying. Mm. Right. They're lying to their self or they're lying to God. But like, for me, I can't, I can't twist their arm and be like, all right, be Protestant, be this, be that. But I will say with the Mormon stuff, I've seen, you know, it's very rare, but I've seen Mormons leave. I actually know Lynn Wilder and Michael Wilder, very famous Mormons that have left and were part of BYU and, and everything. And I've actually recently helped someone leave as well. And I'm going to probably put pause because I'm transitioning to different ministries unless God changes the game. Cause I tried to put pause on it. Like, literally a hundred Mormon missionaries earlier. And like, he just keeps throwing them, throwing them. I'm like, ah, but I studied the Mormon faith very in depth. I studied Islam, different religions. Like I've, I've had Islamic ministries. I have this, I have that. I think the Mormons, I feel like I just talked about with the former Mormon of mine, his name is Paul G good guy. But I literally said to him, you know, I feel like Jesus would probably say you're not far from the kingdom. I don't think they're in the kingdom. But I feel like he would say to that scribe or Pharisee or whatever, you're not far from the kingdom. They're a lot closer than Hindus, I think. Interesting interesting tidbit. I don't know if you probably know this, Nick. Did you know that both Joseph Smith and Charles Taze Russell, who started the Jehovah's Witnesses, were high-level Masons? Did you know that? Yeah, my wife was uh, actually has family in the Freemasons, and we've actually, for spiritual warfare purposes, we broke the, broke those curses off and— yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, it's all the Kabbalah, all of it. it yeah, it's yeah. all part of cons- it's all the demonic, you know, realm conspiracy. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, it's not a coincidence. Nope. Yeah. So there's been a lot of cults started by Freemasonry, and and there's a huge, and that's something I'm kind of been deep diving into. There's a huge connection between a three letter agency uh, that I won't name. They call themselves the company. And the occult. Um, if you've watched any kind of TV and all that kind of stuff, there, there's there's always this occultic element uh, since the like 30s and 40s that they, that they do. But anyway, that's oops, sidebar. Shoot that rabbit. All right, so keep going, Nick. Keep telling us about it. Tell us about you. Yeah. How did you get oh, into? Oh, oh. How'd you get in? Let's start with deliverance, okay? And, sure. And, sure. And, We'll slide into your revival, uh, you know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I've actually been delivered. So that's how it started. Um, uh, a couple months since my marriage. It's still pretty raw. I've only married nine months, but uh, like literally maybe a month or two. Happy honeymoon stage. Nick has a demon. Let's go cast it out. Yay. Yay, this is awesome. <laughs> thank you. If Alyssa's going to listen to this, thank you. She's a godsend. So she was a part of um, Hungry Gen Ministry with Pastor Vlad um, Softjack, and uh, he's friends with Isaiah Saldivar. And I didn't really know that. Again, when I was cessationist, when I was reformed, I thought these people were heretics. I used to not think that Christians could have demons or be influenced by demons. You could. I used to watch Harry Potter as a Christian. I used to watch like demonic shows as Christians, like like literally shows about demon possession. I was in the anime 
I watched one piece where literally this guy will get demon fruit and then demons would live inside him and give him powers. I'm like, that's not going to affect me at all. But that that's not true. I had legal rights. I had open doors and I didn't even know about, and I didn't believe in. And then literally my wife and I were fighting brand new honeymoon stage, whatever. It's not, I mean, it's my marriage is good, but I'm just telling you like, it's not like Disney. Like they were all happily ever after, you know? So no, it's never like that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I had a hard awakening, but it's good. I love, I love my wife. I love my marriage. I don't want to say like it's the worst ever, but right, takes work, takes work. Yes. So, anyways, um, I was having you know argument, whatever you want to call it, and then I literally prayed to God because I'm a Christian. I prayed to God. I said, "Hey, show me where is this coming from? Why am I fighting with my wife? Where is this anger? Where's where is this coming from?" And the Scary thing is when you pray dangerous prayers like that, I'm pretty sure God's going to answer that. And yeah. he did. And he he did it. And I started choking. Hmm. I didn't, I, I wasn't drinking water. I wasn't like physically I, I was just, choking. You couldn't move. Physically choking. Like somebody had their hand on my neck and like was literally killing me. Hmm. Hmm. So then long story short, my wife sees it. She was trained in this. And then literally she legit came like literally jumped on me, like straddled, like not to be, it's not sexual, but she straddled me on the couch and she's like, in the name of Jesus. And like, she's going hard. I'm like, what is going on? I don't understand. And then literally like I blacked out (laughs) and it was like supposedly two hours and like long, really very long story short. um, I had like four or five demons in me or either in me or around me or yeah. influencing me. Cause the Bible teaches, I didn't understand, but the Bible teaches demoniso or demonized. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not possessed. Yeah. It's not, it's not oppressed. It's not possessed. I was just about to ask you to, about those distinctions and where you landed on that. In, in Christians, all demons. Yeah. We're demonizo too. Uh, you know, and I compare it to autism. There's a spectrum mm-hmm. of autism. You have, Low low spectrum autism and higher spectrum autism. The same with demonization. You have the the the, 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 the demoniac, and then you have the the lady that was afflicted. You know, bent over. I mean, you know. So there's a there's a huge spectrum of of demonization. And and I I guess when I first got saved, I was mentored by a woman. Actually, when I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and she just said she said like this. And I think she got it from a guy named Francis Frangipan, who's old school charismatic. She said like this, she said, wherever there's darkness in your life, wherever, I'm motioning all over my body, wherever there's darkness in your life, a spirit can dwell. Yeah. The, the location is not the issue. We found that it's in the soul. The spirit's new. The spirit's good. The spirit's born again, you know, but, but the soul, yeah. is, so the soul is the, is the landscape for the battle. Yeah. Yeah, and I've I've had old mentors be like, "How can the Holy Spirit be in the same place as a demon?" I'm like, "Well, how can the Holy Spirit be in the same place as your flesh? How can the Holy yeah. Spirit come into a church? There's more demons in a church yeah. service sometimes than there is in a coven." Anyway, I'm yeah. sorry. For, scratch that. I'm being ugly, but, no, but uh... no, come on now. Like John John Ramirez, a former Satanist who I really love. He's a spirit filled Christian. John Ramirez. He said. If your church doesn't do, uh, you know, deliverance and casting out demons, then your church is just babysitting demons. And 
I'm I'm a firm believer in that. And I mean this this is a this is a rabbit trail. This is a rabbit trail, but like I'm gonna tell you, um I'm we're gonna go back to me, but I need to go I mean, I think we should just do one podcast where just here's all the evidence, you skeptics, here's all here's all the facts. Like I I got like that's a ten minute but so let's let's go to like a story. So to, to tie this in to tie this in, um I've been delivered like five more times, same situation. I've had a church called uh, Flame of Fire Ministries that's similar to Isaiah out of our partners with them in California and Hungry Generation. It was supposed to be a 15-minute call, but it was literally an hour and a half. And just casting out demons, going crazy, le- renouncing legal rights. Like I'm, I'm like literally in and out. They're like, in the name of Jesus, Nick, come back. And then like, okay, they said he had a legal right, renounced the legal right. And like, so literally the next day, the next day. I tell my friend who's former reformed, we taught him all this bogus crap about the spiritual warfare realm that wasn't real. So literally he's literally, he's experiencing exactly the same things that I was experiencing. He has all the symptoms of the world and long story short, he was a Satanist before we helped lead him to Christ. uh, When we were reformed like three or four years ago uh, before, uh, so he was a Christian for a while, and he was reformed. He was going to service three services, two hours long, you know, learning the catechisms, learning the traditions of the faith. None of that actually helped. The Holy Spirit set him free. He's he's a child of God. He's a citizen in heaven. But right now, in that moment, he had demons because he did drugs that literally a lot like open up doors and literally had voices come in and then one time he let them in it was a done deal also he was getting bullied as a kid and he wasn't a christian and he literally prayed to satan he he, and he literally opened up the doors of his house and said come on in give me this like you know he prayed to get strength from the enemy yeah to beat up his bullies yeah and then literally that that happened and then he could he can control he could control demons he had influence, so like the demons that lived inside him that controlled him, he literally sent to other people. He was like a witch, and he didn't even know it. And then his mom was a witch. That that came later in the deliverance. We were doing deliverance for two hours, like two, maybe three hours. And we were like, I was newer at it, so I'm like screaming like, Oh, Jesus' name, fire! Yeah, like, ow! Like, I was going like crazy, like just screaming, You dirty demon! Like, you know, like, like I was going crazy. But anyways, I didn't know is what I know now. Like what I do now, just real quick, is like I get them to like tell me their history. We bind stuff before we, you know, get them to renounce. And like most times, like you do that for an hour or two, renouncing, breaking generational curses, asking God to forgive you of certain sins, forgive bitterness. That closes all the doors for the most part. And then I check again, like if there's any demonic spirits and who is, who are you in this body? If there's any demonic spirits, like, and I, I do it like a wellness check at the end and usually they don't manifest, but like this, we weren't, we, we were just say, Hey, can we pray for you? Cause like I had a hunch, but I didn't really know cause I was new and I wasn't really trained. So then we start praying. He starts kicking and screaming and cussing and he's like, ah, I'm like, what is going on? Like he was over the phone. I'm like, hey, we're gonna FaceTime you. And then he was normal again. <laughs> when we FaceTime him, we hung up and he's like, Aah! like when we start praying, I'm like, he's kicking, screaming, cussing. He's like, leave me alone. It was like a different voice. I'm like, 
I swear to you, I started laughing. Why did I start laughing? Because I know his personality. I just here it is. I we caught up, haven't talked to him in months because I'm not reformed. He's he left the reformed church. He's still having baggage of reformed theology. And then I was laughing because I know his personality. He makes fun of everything. That's his personality, sarcastic. So like here I am telling him everything, all the deliverance stuff that happened to me. So I thought he was like imitating me. For literally 20 minutes, I was laughing. And Alyssa wasn't. My wife wasn't. She was like casting him out, going, and I'm just sitting here like, this guy, like great acting skills. Like this is, at, at one point, I'm like, this is kind of like too real for him to act, but I'm going to assume it for the best. And then he's like, he's going in and out, like demon manifesting. He's like, and then he like goes, and then we, you know, she's saying like, in the name of Jesus, come out, like Jordan, come back, come back. And then he comes back and then he's like, Nick, Alyssa, help and like he's literally choking and it's like super scary i'm like i stopped laughing immediately i said oh my god this is actually real this is actually happening this is not actually fake he's he's like help this is real i didn't know if it was real they're in they're in me they're in me they're in me help and i'm like oh my god i'm like okay so then <laughs> I should have had the full armor of God already, but I'm like, all right, I got to make sure because here we go. And then, you know, renouncing legal rights. Like we did the most talking to demons that we ever did. And we don't recommend it. Yeah. Because like the, the demon was literally like he was speaking to us. He's like, Nick, Alyssa, remember what happened when you're in high school? Remember this? Remember that? And then like Jordan would come out and he's like, Nick, don't listen to him. I don't know how he knows that information. And it's, it was like almost like multiple personality disorder or something. Like it's like almost that movie split. Like Patricia's not here and it's like clearly a different dude. And it's like 10 different personalities. It was like super scary. And like the room, like it felt eerie and like it felt like everything, like we weren't even in the same room and it felt like it just got sucked out. So then we started putting the blood of Jesus over us and over him. And we started you know, really going after and try, okay, what are legal rights? Who, where, where are your legal rights? How did you enter them? Bloodline, generational curses. Was he molested? Did he molest people? Like we went super depth. And then we found out his mom was a witch. And then that was the last one I said, because like it would took 30 minutes for him to even, cause he was getting, oh, oh, he's getting choked. So like, okay, renounce it. We figured it out. Renounce it. Oh, I, uh, and he and like and we're like we bind you in the name of Jesus right now. You stop that. And like we're speaking. And it's like oh. So then, like long story short, after the whole him being choked, him can't speak. We literally took authority. We played the blood. We're going crazy. And then after like you know all that time, he was able to renounce. And then literally we took like four or five demons out of him through the power of Jesus. It was Jesus, 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 and the Holy Spirit. And then when it, they left, he said that it he, he has not. It was so quiet. He said that he heard voices in head for over 12 years of his life, and it was so quiet. Wow. And and that and that was and the other thing he said too later. He told me like couple like we did a follow up in person. He told me everything. Like I don't know if I can go in super detail, but let's just say molestation was in his family. He was like a lot of like bad sexual stuff that were open doors. And the other thing I can tell you is, um, oh, I'm just crying thinking about this, but he, he said that, 
he said that the voices, when he became a Christian, they were claiming to be Jesus or claiming to be the Holy Spirit or they were claiming to be God. So like we, we asked them like, okay, what did you buy? Because the, the voices would tell him to buy or tell him to do things. So like, okay, out of everything you own, what what do you own that the because like we're trying to figure out if there was like cursed objects in his home and stuff and you know and he's like i everything i own is because the voices told me to 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 buy it and like when he when he became a christian he became a child of god but like they were still in there they were still in there and they weren't dealt with and the legal rights were not renounced and his mom was still a witch and we were just acting like that doesn't matter and then literally the voices switched from like new age to like, yeah, we're overtly a demon. And then they like disguise themselves as like the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Well, it says in the word that the enemy can come as an angel of light. So in our ministry, mine and Sandy's, we've seen numerous times of false Jesuses appearing, you know, and, and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's, um, uh, it's a, it's a real deal, and you have to use discernment by the Holy Spirit, but also you have to rebuke or ask who their legion is. Are you the real Jesus? And if, Anyway, so totally buy that. Totally get that. Yep. yep. Yeah, so I, I just unloaded a bucket, but we should probably get back to the question, but I want to give you guys time to just digest, ask questions. I've got full permission for him. He's, act, he's actually made videos about this, so... This is not new information. And he's, and actually, he had super bad drug problems. He was going to church. He was doing everything the right way, reading the Bible, super addicted to drugs, hmm. like hardcore drugs. Well, was he using the drugs for like DMT and stuff like that to, to go into the spirit realm, or was he just addicted to drugs? Like, whatever. Right? Kind of both. Yeah. A lot, a lot. He, he didn't know, but he was new age and witchcraft. Like, I feel like some people know, but then some people are just like, no. this is what I do. Yeah, a lot of people don't know. There's a lot of Christians that practice what we call Christian witchcraft. You know, they try to pray their will on to, on to other people. It's real important to have the sermon of the Holy Spirit when you pray. Because, I mean, you can cast spells on people with our power and authority, and it's not God's will at all. So, yeah. So sad. Yep. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it really is. Yeah, yeah. We had a we had a guy we interviewed uh, about his experiences with it was about drugs and getting into the spirit world illegally is what it is. You know, you can you can the Holy Spirit will give you eyes to see in the spirit world. People see angels, people see stuff. You can pray and ask for that gift, but um, you know the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's people that try most secular people and new age people and all that stuff and then all the microdosing stuff that they're starting to do could possibly lead to encounters i mean it even goes back to what we were talking about some conspiracy fact stuff mk ultra they use drugs to to manipulate them to to fragment them to get them into disassociated pieces drugs are an integral part of the enemy's plan to get us into the spirit world illegally, you know, and to interact with them. So, yeah, definitely. Yep. Lindsay, anything on that? Well, I was just thinking again about the whole, can Christians, you know, can Christians be possessed or the whole oppressed, possessed demonization. And, And I thought about this verse in James here, James three, 
Uh, I'll just start 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good conduct that his deeds are done in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and don't lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. I mean, James is talking to Christians there. (laughs) And he's saying, if you have this fruit in your life, you're walking in demonic wisdom. Do we think that's totally external? (laughs) Yeah. Well, he talks about, Paul talks about doctrine of demons. Yeah. That's right. Yep. And, you know, in Ephesians, it talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit, talks about don't give ground, don't give, Mm -hmm. you know, place for the, for the enemy. And I mean, I'll just be honest. A lot of the demons that I had uh, attacked me were because I used to watch porn every day in my life. And even though I was set free, I didn't like renounce it and break it and curse at the root and, you know, um, go do really bad, like battle spiritual warfare. Like, I used to watch Harry Potter to the point where I memorized every single moment, every single scene. I mean, you know, I emulated, I played the games. Like my brother played with the Ouija board. Now I don't think that actually has me, but like he was haunted by demons. Like, like, I guess like there's a spiritual realm that I feel like even when I was reformed, I was neglecting. I thought I'm elect. I'm a child, like all those things. And I just thought, you know, I was impervious. And at that reformed church, there was at least, and I won't say names because some people that I'm going to send this to will probably know them. But at the reformed church I was going to with like 10 hour sermons, like just, he would beat you with the Bible 10 hours in a row and all that. There's practicing witches. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? Yep. It just turned me into an egghead being reformed. <laughs> it yeah. just made me just cynical about everything and just Cr- critical. Yeah. Not you, but just in general, me, it made me critical. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if there's any reformed people watching, I love reformed people. I mm-hmm. think they're, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, but yeah, I just, I just think that like when somebody says like, this is that, that, that there is no other truth, like, in the Christianity, there's no other truth of other denominations that must come. Like, we'll talk about it. I don't know about now in my transition, but like, look at what's happened in Asbury. Yeah. There was like a reformed person literally sent me a video on Facebook, a reformed person preaching the gospel at Asbury. I mean, hey, that's cool that you want to triple, quadruple, 15 check to see if they're preaching the gospel. But like, I just think, to be honest with you, and it, it's coming from my experience. I, I was arrogant enough to say I have the truth. Everybody else is an idiot. And until I say the gospel, that means God can't use literally anybody else. I have to be there. I have to verify it. I'm like my own pope. Like who died and made me king? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and there's, there's, yeah. It, it, what I find really interesting, um, Sandy and I were talking about this yesterday, is the religious spirit, and that's what we're basically talking about here, it manifests itself, no matter what religious group it occupies, the same ways. There's a guy on Facebook right now that I really respect that's that's really pushing 
against Reformed theology, and he's Reformed himself, and he's pushing against it. And and what's happened is 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 the comments have proved his point because they've they've come in with their raven claws and have started you know rah you know and and, and attacking him. But but what I, what I'm trying to say here is that it, in certain camps there is more critical spirit, more criticalness, more meanness is just a, a word I like to use. However, but the religious spirit, wherever it is, whether it's in in Baptist or or Reformed or, or Oneness Pentecostal or Charismatic or or whatever, um Mormonism, whatever group it, it manifests itself in, um Islam, uh it it comes up it comes across the same way it has like the same goals and the and, and Sandy and I always say it like this it, it it doesn't want to be in relationship it wants to be right yeah. and and that's the difference Jesus yeah. wants relationship now he'll, he the Holy Spirit will correct your wrong doctrine and correct you with truth but it's still all about the relationship it's not about being right it's not a selfish yeah. I'm right you know. And, and that's that's just one of the indicators of a religious spirit is is it's all about being right. So, and narcissism too, by the way, which is another whole discussion. <laughs> to be transparent, my wife said that when she first met me, she, I was the most miserable, unhappy Christian ever. And that's when I was reformed, mm-hmm. and I always had to be right. I I remember debating this one woman. And Alyssa's is like, my wife's like, why are you talking to a woman? I'm like, because I got to show her how much of an idiot she is. And she was a Christian. Like, my goal in life was to be a discernment minister. Yeah. And like, it's so weird that I believe in the gift of discernment. I mean, I don't, discernment ministry is okay. I understand. Like, it's good to mark and avoid and checks and balances. But like, in my opinion, if you need a discernment minister, you might not, one, believe, obviously you won't believe in the gifts, but two, you might need need to actually rely on the Holy Spirit more. And three, maybe you maybe you don't have the Holy Spirit. And I'm not trying to be mean about that. No, but you're right. You're right. You're I right. I mean, if if you have to, if you have to rely on somebody else to because the Bible teaches two things. John fourteen. The, the Spirit of God, the helper, will lead you to all truth. Yep. yep. All truth. And and then another and then in First John chapter two it literally says you need no man to teach you. I I said I said that like rant with my buddy. Uh, we we were catching up. Uh, long story short, I lost a lot of friends when I left Reformed theology. Um, you know, I was sitting there with my buddy, and I actually quoted that verse to her, and he literally fell out of her chair, out of his chair. Hmm. And then after after she left, he's like, "Where you get that?" And like, "What what was that? Was that some charismatic mongo mongo jumbo?" I'm like, uh, literally Google that right now, and it's in your Bible. So, so I mean, there's there's sola scripture, but they're like, no, like sola confession, sola. I mean, I'm not here to attack them, but like, it's it's just hypocritical. I'm just gonna say it, and I pray for everybody. I can be hypocritical, yeah. but like Martin Luther wanted to take out the 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 book of James in the Bible. Don't tell me he was sola scriptura. He was sola scriptura as long as it actually agreed with his theology. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. that that's really what it is. They yeah. say they say exegesis over eisegesis. I'm like, you guys eisegete everything. Like, please stop. 
Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not here to yeah. attack reform well, theology. Yeah, and I want to reiterate that too because there's some there's some reform guys out there that I'm friends with. Uh, hat tip to Doug Van Dorn and some other yeah reform guy reform teachers that I, I've gotten great benefit out of. You know it, but but they're different. They don't have that religious spirit. That's right. They're heart Christians, you know, and they would be the first to to say that, you know, you need to have the head and the heart. That's um, right. That they're both important. And yeah, and I, I totally understand. And we can cut that out, but I'll just tell no, you. We won't cut it, it out. Let's, if just, it, let's just go go forward. <laughs> if, if, it, if it makes sense, I'll just say I love reformed people. I was reformed. Yeah. But I think this is a danger. And I will say there's dangers on all sides. Yes. Of every denomination, Everyone. there's a danger. Yeah, there's ditches is what I call it. <laughs> Yeah, you, yeah, and I'm just trying to be in the middle, and I'm not trying to sound. But I, I, I've been a bad person. I've been, I, honestly, when I started like understanding that I had a religious spirit and a critical spirit, it was not only getting feedback, but then my church at the time was going verse by verse, scripture by scripture through John, and literally I was relating more with the Pharisees than anybody else. Mm. Yep. Well, that's that's true, and we'll just leave that there. I mean, just let yeah. let, let that sink in. That yeah, that's true. So let's um let's let's switch gears to revival. You mentioned it earlier, and yes. you, you talk about um, Asbury and stuff, and talk about revival, your experience of it. Sure. Whatever you want to talk about with revival sure hopefully this will be a happier and fun topic yeah um so i think revival's here i i mean it started with asbury you know people were critics saying get it out of the church well and onto the streets well guess what it's on the streets it's in california i'm from cleveland ohio it's in columbus ohio it's all the universities cedarville uh i had a revival out in mansfield ohio it was a church out of uh, uh, out of cleveland ohio you're going to tell us that story right in a, in a minute right yeah please yes do. yes yeah. yes of course but um i'll just tell you it's everywhere it's in tennessee lee university it's in uh, florida it's it's in you know yale of all places oh, wow. yale's having one <laughs> yeah like i'm I literally like revival is now like a super big hashtag on TikTok and and all this stuff and I mean it's it's literally everywhere it's um I mean it's even in Puerto Rico because if you look at it historically unless I'm wrong in my studies they it like you know the the first awakening the second awakening it was in different states but I think with the technology I feel like it's spread like it's east coast, it's in west coast, it's in the north, it's in the south, and it and I think it's it's a growing movement. And Gen Z for Jesus is here, man. The gen, you know, we I'll be honest, we wrote off, I wrote off the Gen Zs. I'm yeah. a millennial. I'm like these people are so screwed up. We we don't have to go into it, but think about what they're teaching with everything else, uh, in the schools and in the in the culture. And these people are hungry for Jesus. And uh, I think they're they're spearheading it. The colleges, the Christian colleges, the non-Christian colleges, Yale, all those they were historic Christian colleges that were started by Christians yeah. to uh, you know equip the saints for the good works and building the body up. 
And I think God's reviving his bride and God's bringing awakening like we never seen before. And I don't want to get into eschatology. I don't really even, all I know is Jesus is coming back. And like, I used to be super into it, but I mean, regardless if Jesus is coming back in a hundred years or wherever, if you're post mill, like a billion years, uh, you know, I, he's coming back and I'm excited to see what God's doing. Yeah. You were talking with the, the Gen Z. What I think and what I sense, and this is even what I'm experiencing, I watched the, the video on the, the first sermon, you know, I mean, on the sermon that, that, that kicked it all off is, is they're not just hungry for Jesus because that could be played out as head knowledge or, or, you know, they're hungry for the presence of Jesus, the experience yes. of the supernatural in that's why they're seeking the new age like crazy. But as we know from Pharaoh and, and, and Moses, the, the, the Pharaoh's magicians can't take the supernatural to the level that God's people can. And so, you know, that's, that's what they're hungry for. I mean, you, you walk in a place like that, cause I've experienced it. You walk in a place that the atmosphere is charged, just like you were talking about earlier about when you were getting deliverance, how it like was sucked out. Well, yeah. The reverse, it's a weightiness. Yeah. It's a, it's 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 a presence that that you know I, I could carry an unbeliever in into, and, and they're gonna feel it, you know, yes. it, it, you know. And and uh, anyway, so that's what I think that the Gen Z are really hungry for with with this and other things. Amen. It's, it's happening locally. Yes. Uh, I know. I, I told you yesterday, Nick and. And Lindsay, I don't know if I, I think I did tell you. Yeah, we we told you about uh, there's a local Baptist church that was going to have a baptism or two, and end up having over a hundred baptisms in two services. Yeah, and and uh, I mean that's that's crazy, y'all. Yeah. Um, there are some other churches Praise too. God. There there are other churches too that are trying to get in on it, like having services every night, and they're they're trying to mimic it. And of course, I don't know what the chaff is, so I'm not going to go pulling. You know, I'm going to drop my stone and. And let the wheat grow with the chaff, and it, it will know by the fruit. If Amen. If these if these churches that are they're doing this begin to explode, I was reading in Isaiah, I think it was Isaiah six, um, and this is not strictly me, but 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 I learned this from another guy. But there's three things there: there's humiliation, consecration, and mission, and we will know true revival when it ends up in the ultimate Lord send me. Yeah, if it's like that's right. Lord stay here and soak, then it's not. It hadn't made it to that level of being real revival. Right. Yes. Yeah. I think I don't know who said this, but maybe I made it up. I don't know. But what happens after the revival is really that's right. where you see it, and that's it's not the to, you know, we, Yeah, we don't get cynical about revivals before that happens. But right at the end of the day, yeah, there, there, there's got to be the proof in the pudding. And that's, I would say that that's got to be it. What happens after the revival? Well, and you're going to put out brush fires. They did them through both the first and great awakenings. You're going to have spurious stuff. I mean, yeah, the yeah. devil is there, you know, um, causing Mormonism came out of Mormonism came out of the second yeah, by, from the, the, what they call the burned over region of upstate New York. 
this yes. this place where they said so many this idea of so many fires being set that nothing will burn there anymore and and that i'll be honest that scares me man I, I, have i burned over places in my heart have i burned over places sharing the gospel where i'm at you know it, it's something you got to think yeah. about for sure yeah yeah well and and that that new movie jesus revolution that just came out that talks about the whole calvary chapel you know lonnie yes. frisbee and all that um I mean, there was cults that I talked about this yesterday at a prayer meeting. That there's cults that came out of that, um, the family of God and and other stuff. So you know, even though that amazing stuff happened in the Jesus Revolution, it's still the devil works too, and he's gonna work where he can yeah. confuse and 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 uh, obfuscate. How do you say that word, Lindsay? Uh, obfuscate. I think that could be yeah. Good yeah. So. Yeah. But that's why it's important to have the Holy Spirit and to and to know the Bible. And I'll just tell you, I think revival is in the air. I I've been doing ministry for eight years by God's grace, and in God again, I plant. You know, you know, you water, God brings the increase, and uh, you know that's important to understand that it's God is the Lord of the harvest. Yes. That He's the one that brings salvation. Um, but I will say. I'm not doing anything different except for TikTok, which we can talk about. But to be honest with you, people are hungry, like you said, and people are ready. And I, I can't put a number at it, but I'm going to say at least over three to four to maybe even seven, 700 people in the past four months have came to Christ or came to a deeper relationship, like whether it's brand new awakening to revival. And like we'll explain that of um, breaking it down to born a Christian backslid lukewarm repented came back um you know kind of like my buddy you know going to church everything but addicted to drugs breakthrough supernaturally healed delivered race to deliver me um christian doing all this stuff and then just demonic you know weight and and bondage and you know so you know i'm talking like new converts you know atheist agnostic buddhist um, you know, Muslim, Mormon coming to faith, like it's crazy. And right. you know, that, that's beautiful. So, so Nick, where do you want to go here? You want to go the, you want to talk about what you're doing on TikTok, or do you want to talk yeah. about th this weekend? Uh, let's talk about both. I'll go TikTok then this weekend. All right, go ahead. Okay, cool. So, uh, with TikTok, it's awesome. So it's kind of sad. It's really weird. So God like used me losing my job. Um, my wife encouraging me to just focus on ministry, uh, go on TikTok, create a TikTok. And I posted my first three videos were me golfing, just trying to see, you know, creating YouTube, TikTok. It was supposed to be podcast. My buddy Scott Vanko and a few other people were pushing me. Zach Woody, uh, I was making a couple of videos while I was still working for YouTube. And I made like, you know, 300 views for long content of 45 minutes. It was awesome. And then I lost my job. And I, was, I made like little small snippets. Uh, shorts and stuff and on on uh, youtube i had 2500 views which is a lot more than i had i thought i was going to get and then also on tiktok it was like five six hundred views and then i you know recorded 10 um christian stuff christian uh, content the gospel praying for people everything and then i was getting like a thousand two thousand views and then my last video that I haven't I haven't released in a, uh, another one in a month it just blew up. It's almost at four hundred thousand views. 
and it has over like 71,000 likes and it also has um about 100 to 200 saves and uh like literally eight, eight like I think 6 to 800 comments and people like through that ministry I've I've DM people people message me I if they say a, a lot of amens like over like 600 amens or a lot of the amens but I'm literally saying how can I pray for you what content would you like to see and out of every and I literally will answer every single one and like the how can pray for you i'm on food stamps i need to repent this that this that like they're so open i need to, you know i've i've helped people get involved in calvary chapel i've i've sat on calls for five hours took an atheist to agnostic to a christian within three days of 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 doing witnessing and and uh, mentoring slash you know just having a conversation and then now i'm mentoring them i'm talking to people from arizona Texas, Utah. I'm talking to people from California. I'm talking to people from all different time zones of all different um, areas of the United States, from Gen Z to people that are 40 to 50. Um, it's it's all over. And I haven't looked at my phone today, and I know I have already like 20 new notifications, and I'm just going to keep going. To, I came and put out new videos because this one is still blowing up, and and the video just talked about the right church because it was because with TikTok you can actually make you make a video so many comments and then from a comment you can make a whole video on it and it's like endless content so from a Christian content perspective creator perspective I would recommend it it's amazing so then literally we just talked about First John testing the spirit seeing who's a true prophet a true uh, true pastor and then talking about dating and then we'll get those two topics like. We didn't even tell them like to repent. We shared the gospel, but we didn't tell them like to. It wasn't like a video to repentance. But then you have like, like real genuine like twenty to thirty people being super genuine. Who is this God you're talking about? I want to learn about him. Who you know like I know who God is. Now I'm a Christian, but I need to repent. I I, I went astray. People I've talked on the phone with people with sleep paralysis, people with broken marriages, people with drug addictions, porn addictions. I've I'm a part of Isaiah Saldivar's ministry for deliverance. I've actually done more deliverances on people from TikTok who are hungry, who want freedom, more than actually the deliverance ministry so far. Hmm. Most people that are want they, I think a lot of people in the deliverance ministry, my experience, not saying for everybody, but just my experience of a small sample size of maybe five a week, maybe been doing this for two months. Um, it's just a lot, but it's not compared to some people, and. Either people want friendship, people want a magic formula, pray for me, and I'll just, you know, now I'll be set free, and then I'll just keep living how I live. They don't want to count the cost. They don't want to live in victory and holiness. They don't want to take every thought captive. They don't want to be truly free. They just want to be free to go, go like free from their addictions, free from what's happening spiritually, and then go back to their muck and mire. And um, I think there's some true folks that I've met, but honestly. TikTok is blowing up, and I encourage everybody to get on TikTok that's a Christian because everybody has a testimony, everybody has a story, and like I'm trying to get people that I literally cast out demons out of and prayed for people to actually do um, testimonies to encourage to encourage people to share about Jesus Christ and to share what God done. Three other stories. So I I, I literally texted out loud for this guy out of Hawaii. He had really bad vertigo and anxiety. Just prayed out loud, text out loud. He literally said within two minutes he was absolutely healed. 
And he literally said he went to doctors for years and couldn't get healed. Mm. And then I've also talked to somebody from Texas. He killed people. He was a part of like the border patrol and there was a lot of demons. Like he had demonic objects. He had, he literally saw like a territorial demon or, or, or a, a generational curse. Like it looked like a hairless deer slash uh, dog and he would follow him and his family and he would, it would always pop up in random areas and like he would get scared just even talking about it and literally that that was broken off in jesus name uh he i actually said pray pray to god to actually wipe it away from your memory because it would haunt him every single day in his dreams like it was really tormenting him did he did he see it with his eyes or was it in his dreams both okay because it sounds like a chupacabra to me anyway that's my two cents that that's the description and he's out in the midwest area anyway so go ahead go ahead keep going <laughs> sidebar i i you know i knew it was i knew it was spiritual it yeah, wasn't a yeah. dog and that's all i knew so it's you know, we break this off in jesus name and i mean literally he was he was like about to kill himself i've had multiple people trying to say that they're going to kill themselves and they like I'm, i got i got a knife i got a gun i got a rope you better tell me about this god supposedly loves me so I mean that like over like twenty situations like that just within three months, two months, three months of doing this. But going back to his story, you know that five hours, five hours, five hours, five hours, you know, and like we were doing so much stuff. He he literally had a hurt like really hurt knee and broken wrists and from his work and he was working on cars and stuff. And literally I prayed for him and he literally said that it it the pain went away and he was immediately healed. And I don't know if he's lying to me, but I'm pretty sure he's not and because he's not complaining about it. And then he also talked about how every time he would, we would pray, we would talk, like God would literally set him free. And he literally felt like a thousand to a billion pounds left him and he mm. would cry a lot. Mm. And he's like, I'm actually experiencing God. I, I, I know that God loves me. And this is real, like real ministry. And I and I and, and then he referred me to his friend, and then I did the same thing for his friend, and then they refer me, they refer me, they refer me. It's like literally sales, but I don't get paid to do it, but it's the Lord's work. That's awesome to see that that going on. Well, it gives me. I mean, I I I'd, I'd kind of written off TikTok to be honest, I'd, and then you talked about it on the big Zoom meeting with Doug Van Dorn. Um, and just like wow, so it's this, it's it's not just the Chinese Communist Party uh, subversion of our country. Here. That's exactly people, what I told him yesterday. <laughs> people are using. I hear it, and yeah. So, what would you say to those people? What would you say to the people who have dismissed it that uh, that it, it's well, irredeemable, basically? Well, I'll tell you, like I, I told you, Brandon, I, I hope they know English, the Chinese people spying, because I hope they hear the gospel and I hope they hear some good stuff they don't hear that's illegal to hear. So, you know, if I if I got a Chinese spy, I pray to God that he gets saved. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and like and like I think you were saying, Brandon, if you have nothing to hide, then I mean, if we go underground, then that's a whole nother story. But yeah. But the other side is I us too. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, our our government, it's not a secret. Our government spies on us. So I pray that my NSA and 
every other agent that listens to my calls or robots or AI. I don't think AIs could get saved, but like I hope somebody who programmed the AI who looks at my content gets saved. I don't know. But anyways, I'm I don't know. I don't know who's looking. All I know is somebody is looking. Whether that's God, which is probably all the time, but then also actual human beings. So who programmed the AIs to actually do all this stuff. But I'll tell you, to go back to your original question, it is beyond redeemable. There is witch talk, there is new age stuff, there is bad stuff. But like to be honest with you, we got we gotta be in the marketplace of ideas. Mm-hmm. And that that's where it is. It's the best algorithm. I call it the Areagopagus or whatever, Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. That that's today's Mars Hill. Like podcasts, like what we're doing is Mars Hill. Um, social media is Mars Hill. But I would say this is Mars Hill for Gen Z. But there are people that are your age and older on it and there's all different demographics and like it's weird you can scroll through for your page tj jakes uh you know you know literally our guy uh michael heiser you know like it's like it's like pentecostal baptist reformed you know like you know literally if you're looking up mormon stuff then mormon so the key is you got to put yourself out there. Like the one guy I was that I was talking about that we cast out the chupacabra or whatever it was called. He literally is like, you're popping up all over my TikTok. It's because the way you do it is so like you have a niche, it's Christianity. Then you have another niche. Then you have another niche. So like fringe topics or chupacabras or whatever from a Christian perspective. And then literally it just gets to this. And then the for you pages, the communities. So there's no like community on Facebook like we're a part of. It's more like the algorithm will base it off of your interests. Mm-hmm. So the key is they're keeping you on the app. So, so actually based off of hashtags and content and like certain like promotions and when you when you post it and everything, uh, literally it will like build your for you page. So what you do is you, as a Christian content creator, you follow famous Christian content that's similar to you, like Vlad, Isaiah, Deliverance, whatever topics. And then you'll comment on people, comment on their videos, and you start talking to people. Now you don't have to do this like 10, 15 years or like a billion hours, but you start creating your own community. Like, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, Sandy made her own TikTok. She already has two followers, and she hasn't really made any posts, right? Right. Yeah. It's the it's, it's one for our podcast. Yeah, we had two followers, and she's done nothing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, and, and like I went from zero followers, zero, zero, to less – like now I can go live. I have over almost 2,000 followers and less from December to now. Um, you know, I, again, I have over almost 400,000 views on one. The next one has 10,000 views. Think about this. So before TikTok, I had Facebook and, uh, Instagram and LinkedIn on LinkedIn. I was, I have 12,000 connections and sometimes for my wedding, I was glorifying God, but it was like 15,000 views. But if you think about it, I've been, I, people take master classes like Scott Van Gogh that we know and some other people like all these all these things are censoring with false sense of information uh shadow banning all this stuff religion you can't talk about religion on linkedin well that sucks because that's like the biggest platform outside of now tiktok i had before that was my biggest platform and i got facebook and instagram well facebook and instagram are mostly people that i know that i went to high school college or knew from church so i'm either i'm encouraging you know i see 
I think I was ha- averaging 200 the max. Maybe I saw it was almost a thousand people looked at my stories, which was awesome. And then I saw like when I post a video, maybe a hundred, maybe 500 max. Uh, my one baptism video that has been out there for eight years has almost 4,000 views. But if you think about it, just on TikTok alone, just together the views and the likes and everything, I have more activity. The gospel is being preached and everything's being pushed 10 times faster and 10 times more efficient with a, a minute to two minute to three minute clip videos that you can explain the gospel. You can do a part one, part two, part three for short attention spans to keep the retention rate up instead of 10 hour videos or three hour videos on YouTube or whatever longer content. And it's more effective and people are engaging and they're more hungry because if you, if you give them this much, then they DM you or you DM them or you get, I gave out my number. People were calling me left and right and they're wanting deliverance. They're wanting, they're wanting prayer. They're wanting this or they're wanting that. And then literally you give them this and then they, they start pulling and tugging and they want more and more versus not like people you already know, but it's cool to inspire your own like natural group. But like as ministers and people that want to proclaim the gospel, you like you're saying, Lindsay, you you don't want to go to scorch earth, so to speak, where you preach the gospel constantly and it's burned out kind kind of thing. Yeah. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. All right. So let's get back. Uh, Let's tell us, Nick, your your story of of revival that you just had this past weekend. Um, We talked about off camera. We we went to this camp. Uh, in Mansfield, Ohio, and it was amazing. It was just a time of reflection, getting off phones, cutting uh, phone addictions and, and different app, social media apps and fasting and praying. Um, it was feeding off of what God's doing through Asbury and different and different revivals and just, just simply put over, you know, over 100 to 200 young, uh, uh, young Gen Zers that are hungry for Jesus, like you were talking about the earlier, they, they're hungry for God's presence. They're hungry for Jesus. They're hungry. And like these these are not the lukewarm. They were lukewarm, but they encountered God. There was healings. There was manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit, uh, prophetic words, um, tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, you know, people laying hands on people, being healed, people impartation of gifts. The pastor was imparting gifts. People like literally uh, saying, like praying uh, dangerous prayers and radical prayers. God wreck me. Uh, God take me out of my complacency. God show me a sign. God give me a sign. God show me your love. And like this one guy literally had the pastor lay hands on him and then his whole back got warm and then numb and then he just hit the ground was slain in the spirit and then he was having visions and and uh, he had dreams after and like you know very prophetic very god loves me this is like my next deep dive this is this is where god's leading me type thing so you know the worship service was amazing the sermon was about being burning ones for god of the holiness of god uh shadrach meshach and Abednego, and like how God is with you in the fire. And then the other one, the last one of the last sermons was talking, to, there was two more sermons. The one sermon was talking about how like, you know, hell has been preached wrongly. Jesus not only came to save us from hell, but he came to save us from sin and sin's consequences and, and, and what that means as Christians after. And then like how, uh, you know, if you don't love Jesus now, 
If you only love him for to get out of hell free card, that's not Christianity. And if you don't love Jesus now and you don't want to be in God's presence now, why do you think you're going to go to heaven where it's all about Jesus and all about being in God's presence? So it's like reframing it, talking about spiritual warfare. God of the Old Testament is the same God in the New Testament. And it was it was pretty stuff it was pretty packed. And then the last one was with the last day, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the last day it was with Jeremiah and the, you know, you put the word up in my bones into fire. It was just talking about God's all consuming fire and how like we're supposed to burn now with the Holy Spirit and burn all the chaff, burn everything away, burn our sin, have victory over sin so that we don't have to burn later in hell. And just this whole concept of hell's been preached wrong. People have been beat over the head with it. The, the pastor literally said that it's like the way the hell's been preached is like, hey, this is cancer, and I don't want you to have cancer. But they never would ever, and they tell you how bad cancer is, but they never tell you about, well, smoking and this and that. These things will lead to cancer. They Like a lot of people will just tell you about hell and say, don't go there. Hey, you don't you want to go to hell? Raise your hand, pray a prayer. But like, actually, it's about knowing Jesus and like knowing and like we even talked about the religious thing where like people will. It's dangerous when people study the Bible, but they don't actually know the living Word. They went they they went through John chapter one and focused on the Word, and the Word became flesh, and the Word is Jesus. So a lot of people that are religious, they don't actually like you said have a relationship with the Word, and they 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 just study the Bible. And there's like really no correlation, and that's where you get the religious spirit and everything. So like there was a lot of impactful things, but then the worship was nuts. And then literally when I walked in on Saturday, Friday, it was just, you know, the atmosphere was just starting. And the spirit you could tell, but it was it was just brand new. But on Saturday, surrender, altar calls, crazy stuff. But even when I walked in, I hurt my knee playing basketball with the kids. I had like probably eight to nine out of 10 pain. Could barely walk. I was limping really bad. Immediately it went away. And then there was this girl who went to over eight different doctors who had this like skin or the skin or bone disease. I think both. And like she had really, she was really messed up and she was about to go to Denver, Colorado from, from Cleveland just to go to specialists who might be able to help her. And then literally she and she wasn't asking for healing, but she was I don't I don't like I wasn't asking, she wasn't asking, but the the spirit of God, the the presence of God was so thick in the in the sanctuary and even the altar around the altar that you you could cut it with a knife and I was healed, she was healed, she was able to, you know, do movements and her skin cleared up and different things that she wasn't able to do and I'll tell you a lot of people were speaking in tongues like a lot like again it's it's missionary alliance and some of them are against the gifts or they don't or they're they're for the gifts but they don't talk about it but the pastor is super like charismatic and amazing and continuationist and he he even talked about it in a couple of his sermons and like it's just scary because i tell you we had small groups of the kids and I was crying because I'm like, I'm praying for every single one of you. And then this, this is the answer to prayer. Like we're talking like never knew Christ, grew up Catholic, grew up different religions, came to Christ. We're talking people who grew up in, in church, but lived like a heathen, you know, uh, made decisions and repented and believed for the first time. We're talking rededication, so to speak, and 
nut backsliding and lukewarmness being repented of. I mean, I was I was literally crying. They were crying. You know, this one guy literally came to faith because he he like Christians and Catholics. We all know Catholics will have more works based, but I think Christians can too. Not because the Bible teaches it, but because of the culture. And we've been really focusing on teaching the kids not only like basic doctrine, Ephesians two eight, say by grace, you know, through faith, not by good deeds, but we've been also teaching them. Are you doing it for Jesus or through Jesus? The works you're doing, are you doing it for him or through him? Yeah. Like is the Holy Spirit and Jesus working through you? And it's just it's just it's already in you. So if you squeeze an orange, you're getting orange juice. If you squeeze you, is God coming out? Or is are you doing things for for him? I like that at, distinction at, because First of all, doing stuff for Jesus just by itself, that sounds good. Why wouldn't you want to do that? But but what you said, no, we're not standing over here doing stuff for Jesus to please him. We're, he's doing it through us. I, I think that's, I think, yeah, yeah, I love that distinction. I'm stealing that from you. You're more than welcome to. I stole it from, I'll be honest, the guy who's the head pastor, he's been doing small groups and he's been mentoring me and. I steal a lot of things from him, and it's—I mean, it's—it's—it's it's, it's not IP, so intellectual property, so it's okay. <laughs> well, the, the the focus is even different. Your your focus is not on you performing for for Jesus. The focus is on others, which is more love. Yeah. And so, if you're doing good works, the good works are not for you or for Jesus. The good works are for others. And you need Jesus to love others to be able to do work, good works. Absolutely. I have a, a, an author, philosopher, guy, used to teach at the University of Southern California before he passed away. And he always said it like this, and, I, and I'll say it twice because it, it has to kind of sink in, that God is not against effort. He's against merit. Oh, yeah. Let me say it one more time. He's not against effort. He's a, he's against merit, and that, that guy was Dallas Willard. He was a scholar and a philosopher, but uh, did a lot of stuff on discipleship in the kingdom. But that 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 has been my motto, because a lot of what Lindsay and I and Sandy we teach is the faith has to have obedience, you know, and that's the theme of the Bible is to hear and obey. And Amen. And and if you if you don't. You don't know how to hear, you can't obey. So you take care of that problem. You teach people how to hear. And that was one of my big issues with Sola Scriptura is the Reformed people. I'm not picking on them, but I'm going to go back to this. A lot of the Reformed people are the very ones that say the, the Bible, let's, let's Sola Scriptura. But the very Bible that they're esteeming tells you to listen to God outside of the Bible. So... That's what you're talking about with the eisegesis instead of exegesis. God wants us to hear him in many faceted ways other than just reading the Bible. Even though that is our guide and our framework, it's not the only way he speaks to us. Anyway, but we have to hear and then obey. Yes. So that's had a major impact because I, I used to have a hard time, and Lindsay and I both have talked about this. There's this real pushback when you hear the word obedience. It's like, oh, works, you know? And yeah. If it's, well, because people have been abused by well, church. That's right. Yes, yeah, yeah. They, they've been, well, they've been manipulated, like you said, with hell. 
and different stuff. And yeah, it, but if the if you realize the works are for others and not for Jesus or for you, then it, it puts an entire, you know, that's really good, Nick. It puts an entire, entirely new perspective on why we do it. Absolutely. Last thing on that, I, and I think it's a Martin Luther quote, which is, you know, any reformed people are still listening, even though we're not trying to dig on you constantly. We love you guys. I'm not joking. Martin Luther literally said that God doesn't need your works, but your neighbor does. There you go. That's exact. That's that's it in a nutshell. Yep. So let's talk about Michael Heiser. Yeah. Uh, yeah. To close to close this out. R.I.P. We absolutely love you, Mike. He's with the Lord. We we thank Jesus that you know he's you know Jesus is a risen Savior. And uh, we will rise because he was the first fruits of the resurrection. So we thank Jesus for that. Yeah. Yeah. Heiser is the, I'd say all the time, he's the, he's the gateway drug for a lot of, <laughs> a lot of these overlapping things here. And, and yeah, he was definitely. for me. And I know Brandon in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I actually read the book Unseen Realm and didn't really get it years ago. And it wasn't until probably the past two years or three years when I started listening to the, the podcasts and one in particular that I really enjoy. It wasn't until I started li- that it all started piecing together the divine council worldview and the importance of it, which that's what I want to talk to you about, Nick. Yes. In your ministry and from his yes. his influence, in your learning about Michael Heisner and his theology, how has that affected your spiritual warfare and deliverance ministry? Can you elucidate on that for us? I'll just mention that it's affected my theology completely. I love the Naked Bible podcast. I recommend everybody, if you don't know, to go there. Amen. So I'm going to tell I'm going to tell you right now. It's just, you just take the blinders off of the denominations and the theology of other people and what other theologians say, and you just go straight to the Bible. And I love how he had insights on Greek and Hebrew and just putting yourself, he would always say, put yourself in the first century Jew. He would always reference the book of Enoch, and, and like he would always just try to say, put the first century Jew lens on. Take away your like 21st century American lens and like the Dead Sea Scrolls, this, that, and any topic he had amazing insights on. But for me, I think it was a Nephilim. I, I honestly thought it was the Seth, the, the, you know, the sons of Seth. And that was such a dumb read. I don't mean to be rude, but that, it's a wrong reading. It's wrong. And, you know, obviously, you know, the sons of God didn't understand what that, you know, I was witnessing the Mormons. I would never talk about uh, Psalms 82. So I would listen to Jeff Durbin and all these people, and they had the sons of Seth thing. And it was not the sons of God, as we see in the original manuscripts in uh, Genesis 6. And, and again, like the three falls concept was mind blowing for me. You know, you know, uh, with, uh, you know, obviously Adam and Eve, obviously Satan sometime before and whatever. And then like literally the next fall was obviously Genesis six at like Mount, you know, Herman, what Herman, 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 however you say it. But yeah, I mean, which, you know, again, that the correlation to the transfiguration at the same Mount and they get to hell will not prevail. And like, like, you know I mean? Like, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's like. God can't be that meticulous. Like it's like it's all planned or something, you know? So like God planned it. It's like weird, you know? But and then obviously like I just thought like, oh, he just wanted to split the languages and split the people and 
be fruitful and multiply, but no, like Deuteronomy 32 worldview, yep. boom, yep. boom, you know, and like that's why that's the principalities, that's the rulers. God appointed them and like they were actually good at once, and that's what Psalm 82 is. The Elohim stands in the council, the out, you know, what I mean. So the B'nai Elohim and what that actually means and, and the sons of God, and there are gods, but they're not really gods like Mormons, like came from a different planet. We can't become gods or like there's different gods, which means that like there's Christianity and then every other religion is like kind of true because they're gods. But like the, these sons of gods have rebelled against God, like and like it's Satan and, and his kingdom. And it's not just like, hey, I'm Satan. And then like, oh, there's some demons around here somewhere. And that's it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's rulers and principalities, like Colossians. Like, I study Colossians 2 more because of it, and Ephesians 6, and comparing those, like, rulers, principalities, thrones, dominions. Like, what? And, like, you know what I mean? Like, the stars and, like, the, the sun, like, different things, like, spiritual beings. Like, well, it, it makes the whole Old Testament make more sense. I used to always struggle with the fact, why did God kill everybody with a flood? I mean, we've always been, yes. we, we were always sinners. And so their sins were like just really, really, really bad. And I never really had a, an accurate understanding of, he wasn't just killing sinners. You know, he, he was he was eradicating hybrids and eradicating the fruit of, of Mount Hermon. And that makes sense now. The flood makes perfect sense. And then... And, and then it, also, yeah, I was going to say real quick, what, what blew my mind away is like the whole, like, go kill, go kill some women and children that go take over the land, go kill them. Like, why is God a genocidal maniac? Yeah. But actually he's not right, at all. Right. 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 <laughs> Which is good. You know, I don't want to serve a genocide and Adolf Hitler that we know is God. Like, no, like that. And like, people will be like, see, you're God's Adolf Hitler. And like, well, no, he's not. You know, you know what I mean? Because like, I always wondered, like, women and children too? Yeah. Or animals, you know? Yeah. And see, this worldview creates a space, which is more our, our realm, the fringe realm, space for chimeras or, or other beings, uh, shapeshifters. You didn't know that somebody didn't skinwalk or, or, or whatever and become a, a horse, you know? You don't know if that's a real horse or a human being pretending to be a horse. I know that's really way out there, but, I mean, that was part of the whole premise of it because they had an understanding for that type of stuff in their worldview. Yes, and then and then literally the sun, like, as you know, with just even the Babylonian stuff, the Gilgamesh, like even just you know uh, you know Enoch, all the stuff where they would come down and teach them the the arts and all the demonic stuff that we can see today of the effect and like again Harry Potter transfiguration like all this stuff came from witchcraft and where do you think witchcraft came from not only Satan but who ta who taught them yeah who taught the sons of Adam and Seth yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Yeah, Gary Wayne's book really handles a lot of that, even though it's like so thick, it you could beat somebody up with it. It's like eight hundred page <laughs> book, but but it deals with the seven sciences that God gave to Adam, and then Adam passed on, and then they were perverted to the the whole Freemasonry thing, and and how Freemasonry has come through Babylonian religion after the flood, and and you know all that kind of stuff, and and uh, 
it's still alive today. It still has the same agenda. You're right. That technology and, and that those sciences came from the Mount Hermon event. What's even crazier is that it also explains what uh, UFOs are. Yes. What aliens are. Yes. 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 Boom. There's another one. Yeah. Well, and, and see, in here, 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 you, you know, you've been talking about Mormonism quite a bit from because of your ministry to, to them. I've noticed that most of the offshoot Mormon cults, because the, the Mormonism, you know, is a cult, okay? But they have, even in their group, apostasy cults. So there was this yeah. man and woman that killed their kids, and he was some kind of weird teacher, and she is too, and she followed along his ministry anyway, and they ended up getting married and because he, he, or she killed her husband. I can't remember their names. Um, yeah, I, I can't either. But they they even had a weird deliverance ministry they would do. Yes, yes. The but, deliverance was they killed you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they were talking about their kids having demons, and then we had to get rid of them. Basically, which was that Heaven's yeah. Gate? No, it wasn't. No, Heaven's this Gate. This is fairly happen. new. This is this fairly is new. new thing. Yeah, yeah. Two years uh, ago. But uh, Lori is her name. I remember that Lori. And anyway. But the the gist of it though is it shows how Mormonism it, it's tied in with alien stuff too. It's tied in with um uh a, oh yeah yeah. So there there you go. It, it, it's real. It's well, real. I I didn't mean to cut you off, but like they literally believe that the God like there is a regression of gods, yes. a progression of gods, and like one of the like the God that made this world had a spirit wife, like different goddesses. And then that literally the spirit, the father and the son are literally different gods. Like they, they had to exalt to, to Godhood. The, the Elohim came from a different planet of different gods. And like, it's literally aliens. Yeah. 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 And I didn't mean to cut you off. What are you going to no, say, no, Brandon? Yeah, I, no, that's what I, that's, that's Lori, Lori Daybell. I think her name may have been Valo at one point. I forget which one. Is my research think, yeah, guy here. <laughs> Lori Daybell is the, you want to look up, look at, look yeah. Later, there's a good, right? there's a good true crime. Uh, there's actually two, but there's a really good true crime a YouTube app. I'll plug him. It's called That Chapter, and he he's been doing updates on that that crime and stuff. And he's an Irish guy. Really enjoy it. It's and he doesn't believe in a lot of my conspiracies that I have. He'll try to debunk them unsuccessfully. However, but. Uh, Overall, his channel is is a great channel, but that's where I learned about Lori. Yeah, Lori Daybell, did you say? Yeah, Daybell. Yeah, yeah. But to to wrap it all together, yeah. I do want to talk about Dr. Heisner. And so now I understand that the demons I'm not that I'm encountering are actually disembodied Nephilim mm -hmm. and like the disembodied spirits. So like now I understand more about what Legion was. Um, it's okay. It's not a core doctrine issue. Of course, if somebody disagrees, that's fine. Yeah. Um, you're, you're more than welcome to do so. But to be honest with you, I have the first century Jew in my head and I feel like that helps me read the Bible more accurately because like, you know, reform people and just people in general always, they like to talk about this dude named Herman, hermeneutics. <laughs> they always want to, they always want to talk about Herman and hermeneutics, but I'm like, okay. So how how would the original reader read it? Yeah. Do you even know what the original reader mm -hmm. thinks? You know, like how how do you deal with Jude? How do you deal with Peter? 
talking about like the gloomy chains of darkness. Like what does that actually mean? Like, cause like, I swear to you, I would literally, I would read the Bible. I'm like, well, if RC Sproul or this person or this person, or like, if you don't like that, then my pastor or this person I trust, if they don't even believe in this, then I'm just gonna move on. You know what I mean? It's like, it's in the Bible. Are we going to deal with it? Or are we not? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So, yeah, and, and it also brings to me understanding of why the demonic, why demons have to have bodies because they had bodies before. Yes. You know, and, and I'm not saying that uh, the fallen Elohim, B'nai Elohim, the fallen sons of God don't can't occupy bodies or take on physical shape or any of that. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying, though, is there's this preoccupation with unclean spirits, which that's that's another thing in, on its own is the, the word is not always demon. And I forget which gospel, it's mostly unclean spirit, which is not right. uh, you know, demon at all. And so it, it creates a, a understanding that, you know, hey, uh, they need bodies to be able to do what they want to do and and that's how i kind of believe about satan's power and authority on the earth today is that it if if he gets anything done he gets it done through us we're the we're the ones since jesus and and that's either fallen or christian but i think more fallen people that he gets it done through possession through those those nephilim ghosts you can call them that because that's what they basically are and yeah and that's why it's important just to wrap it up to make sure you don't have legal rights to make if you if you're a christian you play with the occult ouija boards you know tarot cards and you we go on and on you watch certain movies you you had sex before marriage that's why it's important to say you know jesus i i plead the blood of jesus over myself i ask forgiveness of these sins i renounce any demonic activity that i've done i i repent renounce repent Ask God to forgive you of all bitterness. Forgive others. Speak blessings over your enemies. Speak blessings over the people who hurt you. Like really go through. Figure out if you have generational curses. If your dad's alcoholic, your grandpa's alcoholic, and you are you're susceptible, or like it's easy to drink alcohol, then you need to curse at the root. You gotta do proactive spiritual warfare because these things will come after you. And I'm not speaking that over you. I pray that they don't. But like the truth is, in my opinion. There's a second heaven where the spiritual, like, you know, like the principalities are. That's my view. Yeah. And then the second heaven, I believe they're just, they're waiting. Yeah. What, what, what did God say to Cain that what is crouching at the door? Yeah. Waiting. Yeah. yeah. Waiting. Yeah. But we, you don't, you don't have, and the real quickly, I'd say you don't have to be afraid of it. Right. Jesus has won and Jesus has a victory, but I, I don't think we can be ignorant. Yeah, and that's what Ephesians six talks about. Don't be that, ignorant. That's that's the distinction I, I would that I agree with you. I, I totally would want to make is we got to remember that Satan is not omnipotent and he's not omniscient. However, we don't need to be ignorant of the fact that that they're, you know, like a, a popular preacher I like says all the time they're re- they're sitting there ready to eat your lunch and pop the bag. So it's a reality. I have one more, and then we're one and done. If you were being interviewed and you wanted someone to ask you a question, what would that question be? What must I do to be saved? Okay. Which is believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and 
you'll be saved. I think it's also important the baptism. Yes. I don't believe that. I don't believe you. Like yeah. that's a whole. Oh, geez, that's a whole line. Yeah, yeah. But I believe in baptism, the Holy Spirit. So, like, once you confess Jesus as the Lord and Savior, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. And like, it can't just be one or the other. It has to be both. Yeah. You can't be a private eye Christian or a secret service Christian. Right. Uh, and I, I do think it's important to be baptized. I mean, long yeah. story short, yeah. there's a story in the Bible. Dude converts in the desert, and then God literally just pops a like a literally just a random pool where he wasn't sprinkled. He was immersed, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, he was he was immersed, and then, yeah. I don't think baptism saves. Uh, the specifically the only way I'd say baptism saves, which Peter talks about, I think is the Holy Spirit baptism. Yeah, because I think I think unfortunately there was people that were sprinkled as a baby or uh, baptized in immersion that are in hell right now. I think it's because they did not have a true faith in Jesus Christ. They didn't have a true relationship, the saving faith. Yeah, they didn't. You know, I think they were following. You know, again, Matthew seven. Many people say to me, Lord, 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 I've done all these things in your name. I prophesied, cast out demons. So, like, when you're a deliverance minister, you got to make sure you understand that and done many miracles. And he says, be gone, I never knew you. Never knew, so, knew you. Knew you re- yeah. relationship. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we're like that, too. I mean, I have I, I was Baptist, you know, years ago, and I, I just, I never understood that if baptism was so important, why was it put off for so long? And I'm not Church of Christ. I'm not, I don't, like you just said, I don't believe that baptism regenerates or anything like that, but baptism is utterly important. It's as important as a woman's wedding is to the marriage. You yes. know, um, can you be married without a wedding? Yeah, yeah. Ninety-eight percent of them are married with a wedding or some some kind of ceremony, so to speak. Right. No matter what religion you yeah, are, there's yeah. always a ceremony. Yeah, either even in the court of law, if you're an atheist, you still have to stand before a judge. So yeah. So anyway, that's my point is baptism is important. It's not regenerative, but it is important. And I think it's a command. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people have gotten away. A lot of evangelicals and charismatics have gotten away from not only the importance of baptism, but also what's the word I'm looking for? The uh, needs to happen right away. The urgent, uh, ur- urgency. urgency. Yeah. The urgency. Yeah. The immediacy. Yeah. yeah, you know, I agree. Why wait? I mean, yep. I understand like they have like take these classes, but like, yes. can't you just teach? Can't you teach them after? Because yeah. like, I, I'll this real quick. I often wondered if I should get baptized again. I got baptized as a baby. Got baptized when I became a Christian, and then like I know so much more theology. I backslid. I did this. I did that. And it's like, should I do another rededication? Rededication? I'm not an Anabaptist. I don't believe that you you know, every time or come join my church and get baptized because that church over there sucks and they don't teach my theology. So therefore it's invalid. That's, <laughs> you know what I mean? that's the denomination that I grew up in. You had to be baptized in that church to be a part of that church. Wow. Definitely not in the Bible. Nope. Not at all. So Nick, you have shared the gospel and I guess we'll end there. You guys, if you want to uh, hook up with Nick, you can, I'm going to get him to give you his deets here, here real quick on social media. Will you go ahead and do that, Nick? Sure. Uh, it's Nick the Zip 1212 on uh, TikTok. That's my most famous. Nick the Zip Dotson on Instagram. Nick Dotson on Facebook. And, uh, yeah, I'm here to help if anybody's struggling with any depression, suicide, or any anything we talked about today. Yeah, we're going to put that in the show notes, all that information, too. So. 
Well, Nick, we appreciate it. I enjoy it. And I'm excited, too, that you're going to take this and repurpose it for your use as well. So thank you Thanks for so. the, 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 yeah, thank you for the, the great interview. Thanks for listening and supporting us. And remember, stay naturally supernatural.